the Detroit Tigers have some of the best second base prospects in the minors. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, okay, so looking at the Detroit Tigers, 78 and 84 last year, honestly was surprised that this team ended up being the second place team in the division. It just, it didn't feel like that's where you were headed earlier in the year, right? And uh, going to do our best to talk about as many of the interesting players in this system as possible. Quick reminder, there is no way for us to be able to get to everybody that's worth talking about. If there's somebody we don't get to that you want to hear about, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Let me know. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. We have a Discord. We have email, all that other stuff. Anybody that we miss that you want to hear about, we will put into the Monday mailbag. So let me know if there's a guy you want to hear about that we don't get to in the show. But the top prospects in the system, it's headlined by one pitcher and two position players. So the pitcher, uh, right-hand pitcher Jackson Job, 2021 first rounder out of high school, uh, started the year on the injured list, was dealing with like lumbar spine inflammation, kind of wild, but uh, got 16 total starts between rookie ball and double A. Went two and four with a 2.81 ERA in 64 innings, 84 strikeouts, so 11.8 per nine, to only six walks, 0.8 per nine, and nine home runs allowed, so 1.3. More home runs than walks. And the thing to know about Jackson Job is one tons like throws just tons of strikes more than 69% strikes the walk rate 2.3% he will come at you in the zone and will get you to swing and miss it's a good four pitch arsenal fastball sits mid to upper 90s gets elite levels of induced vertical break like 18 or so inches on it combines that with a slider in the mid 80s mostly sweeping action, a little bit of vertical drop, but mostly a sweeper from what I've seen of it. Has a cutter in the low 90s to bridge that gap between the fastball and the, the slider, and then has a change up in the mid 80s. So doing a lot of stuff there, but really good pitches will attack you in the zone. One of the big things that you need to know about uh, for 2024 for Jackson Job is needs to be healthy and could potentially make an outsized impact on this team, right? He got an invite to spring training literally two hours ago from the time I'm recording this. And so going to be really interesting to see, one, how he does against major leaguers in spring training, and then what kind of role he has on this team in 2024. Given how little time he got last year, he did get some time in the Arizona Fall League to make up for it. I still don't know if he's going to be a double A or triple A guy to start 2024. And I think that ultimately will impact uh, when he gets called up, it, whether he's at double A Erie or triple A Toledo, that's going to impact when he gets a chance at the major league level. But either way, the ceiling is very high 
on Jackson Job. He feels like one of the few pitchers where you could say, yeah, he could absolutely be a number two if everything goes right. He's one of the best strike throwers in the minors. The changeup got a lot better last year, and it gives him a legitimate four-pitch arsenal. I like a lot of the stuff I see here. Uh, Another top prospect, outfielder Max Clark. First rounder in 2023 out of high school. 23 games between rookie ball and A ball. 224, 383, 377. Two home runs, eight extra base hits, 21 walks to 25 strikeouts, five of six on stolen bases. Everything you would expect from a top five pick, right? He's It's a plus hit tool. He's an amazing runner, like 70 grade run. The arm is massive. The defense is really good. The only kind of questions you have about Max Clark, other than the usual, he has to acclimate to professional baseball and all that stuff. The only real questions you have is where is the power ceiling going to end up for Max Clark? He's listed at 6'1", 195, and it feels like he can still, there's still plenty of, like, plenty. There's still some physical development that can be done. And so, one, does he develop enough, like, just man strength, muscle, and things like that to become a plus power ceiling? And then the swing is very much a line drive swing now. Is he able to get that raw power into games giving, given the swing? And either way, he's a very talented center fielder, should be able to stick in center. And so it, the question becomes, obviously, what kind of time frame does he end up on? Where is that power ceiling? Uh, but you love Max Clark and everything you've seen about him. Talking about all those second basemen that you have, the first one that's going to come up is Colt Keith, fifth rounder in 2020 out of high school, and was playing mostly third base before he got to Toledo last year. They moved him into second base when he got to Toledo, but 126 total games between AA and AAA for Colt Keith. 306, 380, 552, 27 home runs, 68 extra base hits. Really good. 60 walks to 121 strikeouts and three of five on stolen bases. Again, he played more third than second last year, but again, when he got to AAA Toledo, he was primarily playing second. And the power and the contact ability are both really good for Colt Keith. The question's going to be defensively, can he be good enough to stay at second base or is he going to have to eventually move in to something like first base? Because obviously Spencer Torkelson is there. So ideally, you'd like to him to be able to stick at second base. The power, average exit velocity of 90, 90th percentile of 106. So easily above average right there. Contact ability, overall 75% in the zone of 85%. So again, really good contact ability. He doesn't really seem to struggle uh, against lefties or righties. It's pretty even. He doesn't chase a ton. The offense is real and spectacular for Colt Keith. Again, the question's going to be defensively, is can he stay at second base? The arm isn't necessarily great. The range isn't necessarily great. And so second base is probably the better place for him than third. And you actually saw them send Jace Young out to third base to try to make up for it because they think he he has a better chance of sticking at third than Keith does. But it's just something where Cole Keith is the first of multiple, I 
honestly looking at my notes here, probably four or five different uh, infielders that all feel like they're, they profile best as second baseman. Uh, Keith's going to be the first one to come up because, again, he got time in both AA and AAA last year. And offensively, not really concerned about what he's going to do. It's very much going to be defensively, can he not hurt the team at second base? Because if you have to, you can kick him over to DH, but that takes away uh, the ability to stick a poor and a poor defender versus just an, a, a below average defender like Keith might be. You lose a little bit of versatility if you have him at DH, and the goal is to keep him off of first base DH. In just a minute, let's talk about some of those other players, guys who might need that DH spot, or guys that you'll see in 2024. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all Game Time users get $100 off when they buy a ticket to the big game with code VEGAS100. If you've ever had a chance to go to the big game, we obviously can't say what the name of the thing is, but uh, it's tons of fun. There's, it's always tons of events going on, and it is in Las Vegas this year. So Game Time is an amazing source of last-minute deals. Uh, They have all great features when it comes to buying tickets, the view from your seat, the all-in price, the best price guarantee. So I love the best price guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid on Game Time, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a ticket to the big game with code VEGAS100. Just download the the Game Time app, use code VEGAS100. For 100 bucks off a big game ticket, or if you're not going to that game, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase on any other type of ticket to any other type of event. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so looking at the players that you might see in 2024 out of this farm system, let's talk about outfielder Justin Henry Malloy, 2021 sixth rounder by the Atlanta Braves out of high school, and he was the big return in the Joe Jimenez deal when Jimenez went over to Atlanta. So, 135 games, all in AAA last year for Malloy. 277, 417, 474. 23 home runs, 49 extra base hits, 110 walks to 152 strikeouts, 5 of 6 on stolen bases. What Molloy does, the power isn't necessarily amazing, right? The actual numbers, 89 miles an hour average exit below, 102 on the 90th. So just right there at average. But he's very selective. And as you heard, 110 walks, very good at drawing walks. So when he was at the plate last year, he swung at 37% of pitches that he saw. One of the lowest marks in the minors. And it was very hard to get him to swing at a pitch that was not in the strike zone. 16% chase. Now, it, it is really funny that he's incredibly selective because he does also have some natural swing and miss in the zone. It was a 72% overall contact ability and a 79% in the zone. You have to come into the zone to get him to swing. 
But if you have really good stuff, you can get him to swing and miss in the zone. It's just funny to me. But he profiles best as a corner outfielder. He played a bunch of third base last year. He's been playing third base in the outfield kind of both for a while now. 60 games at third, 29 in left, 15 in right, and then 31 games at DH. Put up six outfield assists. The thing here for, for Justin Henry Malloy is the arm is above average, but for some reason, he's not nearly as accurate when throwing from third than he is when throwing from the outfield. And that's one of those things of usually when you're throwing from the outfield, it's a bit of a moving target. You're hitting a cutoff guy and he can, you know, come in or out to get the ball. Whereas you're throwing from third, you're throwing two first and that's a static position. But something where he could cover third for you if you had to, but he really profiles better as a corner outfielder. And then obviously you're going to have DH stuff they're going to have to do with him. So I would expect him... Again, he spent the entire year in AAA. I was honestly surprised he didn't get up late in the year in 23. And so it makes sense that Justin Henry Malloy is going to be, get a long look in spring training and hopefully gets up on opening day and has a chance to give this, to get on base, help power this offense. I can imagine him and Colt Keith in there. Obviously, Keith can drive him in seven days a week in Sunday after church. Just a really interesting player. Really curious to see how his game, his good eye and the passivity with the swing translates to the major league level. Uh, Catcher Dylan Dingler is a guy you're probably going to see this year as well. 2020 second rounder out of Ohio State. 89 games last year. Single A, double A, triple A. Was doing some rehab stuff there. But 256, 361, 478. 16 home runs. 39 extra base hits, 42 walks to 105 strikeouts and 6-7 on stolen bases for Dylan Dingler. The thing to know, defensively, he is very good. Like a 35% caught stealing last year in the minors. All of the actions behind the plate, the arm, the blocking, the game calling, all of that's very good. The reason that you haven't seen him until now and the reason that you probably won't see him in an everyday capacity is the offense is lagging behind a little bit. You heard it up 256 average combined across all the levels. The powers plus, he's had issues making contact. He had a sub 70% contact ability for the whole season last year. Although it was a limited run in AAA, but Dylan Dingler did a really good job of making contact in the zone in AAA, like 87.5%. It's a small sample size, but if he was able to take a leap, cut out some of that swing and miss, and get a little more consistent making contact in the zone, the power is going to be able to play because your power tool's only as good as your hit tool. And that's been the rub on Dylan Dingler. Either way, you're probably going to see him in 24. Whether or not he's a backup or he gets reps as a starter is going to depend on what that contact ability does and if he can make enough contact for the power to play in the games. But either way, the defense is really good. Shortstop Edis Leonard uh, came over at a cash deal from the, the Dodgers. They DFA'd him middle of the summer. The, uh, the Tigers stepped in, traded cash considerations, which is $100,000 or less, to get him 132 games last year between AA and AAA. 269, 342, 447. 19 home runs, 50 extra base hits, 46 walks to 122 strikeouts for Edis Leonard. 5-9 on stolen bases. The contact numbers, when you just pull the raw numbers, 
are weird, right? 86% in zone contact rate, but overall contact of only 72%. But when you dig under the hood, you can see and understand why. He's got a 30, 35% chase rate. If it's a strike, he's pretty good at getting a bat on it. If it's not a strike, he's not good at all at making contact. And so what that ends up doing is that brings down some of his power numbers a little bit. Now, the AAA sample, he got lucky. He hit a lot of strikes. The average exit below was like 90.4, and the 90th percentile was 106. So again, like Dingler, if he's doing something different and unlocked a new level of performance in AAA, that's really going to bode well for the major league level. But I think Edith Leonard's biggest role is going to be as a utility guy. When you look at what he did last year in 132 games, 107 at shortstop, 10 games in center, four games at second, three games at left, and two games at third. He's not necessarily great at any of those, but the point is he's passable at all of them. And he's someone, he's a perfect bench piece that you can let him play four or five days a week at three or four different positions. Somebody gets hurt, he can step in and fill it for you. He gives you versatility on your major league roster. I don't know when he's going to debut. I don't know if he's going to be somebody who's in AAA who's hanging out in Toledo, and when somebody gets hurt, they then call him up. But I feel like you're going to see Edis Leonard this year simply because the versatility is very useful and the power is there. It's just a question of can you get the swing decisions to be a little bit better so it can play up in games. Outfitter Justice Bigby, curious as to where he's going to be. Not a polarizing player. There's been a lot of highs and lows with him. 19th rounder in 2021 out of North Carolina. 115 games, AAA, AA, and high A. 343, 405, 537. The slash line's absurd, right? 19 home runs, 45 extra base hits. 42 walks to 77 strikeouts. 6 of 8 on stolen bases. Defensively, I don't actually think he's that great. The speed is fringe to average. The arm's kind of fringe to average. He's going to be a corner outfield guy. He played 59 in left, 37 in right, 19 at DH. But offensively, I have questions there too. He super aggressive at the plate. You put him and Justin Henry Malloy together and they average two normal hitters. Super aggressive. And it felt like all of the power that Justice Bigby got was to his pull side. And every time he moved up, again, he started at high A and finished in triple A. Every time he moved up, the contact rate took a drop. And so the overall season numbers look good, but I don't know how sustainable that is with a longer sample in AAA. So I'm curious to see where he starts the year. I imagine it would be AAA, but I'm just curious to see what it is that Detroit wants him to do and what he looks like with six weeks, eight weeks of consistent playtime every day before you look at adding him to the outfield mix in Detroit. A couple pitchers real quick. Wilmer Flores, Kyder Montero. So Flores, 4.65 ERA between high A and double A last year. And what he does here, uh, it is, that's misleading because he had two really bad outings where he gave up 13 runs and four and a third innings. And then after that, he put up a 2.67 ERA the rest of the way over 60-something innings. He had 65 strikeouts, 67 innings. So the, the swing and miss wasn't always there 
but the results were. Does a ton of stuff. Fastball in the low to mid-90s. Has a slider in the mid-80s. A curveball right around 80 miles an hour. Mostly vertical break. You know how we like to look at the different directions. He's got a changeup. He's got a cutter. And really interesting to see where he starts 2024. Because again, most of his time was in double-A last year. But I do think he's a back-of-the-rotation guy that could help you as soon as next season, depending on how Casey Mize comes back from, in- from injury, how does Sawyer Gibson Long look with a uh, longer look at the major league level. Kind of curious how they use him. And then Kyder Montero, another guy, finished the year strong, ended up in AAA, got 26, appear- 26 starts, 27 appearances. ERA was like 4.66, but the thing is, He just does a lot of stuff really well. Fastball's in the mid-90s. He's got a sinker as well, a sweeper, a curveball, a cutter, a change, and he just pounds the strike zone. Tons of strikes. And a lot of what he does plays up a bit because he throws so many strikes. Struck out like 11-something guys per nine innings, walked somewhere around three and a half, had like 49 total walks in 127 innings. He's already had a decent workload. It feels like you can get him into the major league level relatively early next year and count on him for meaningful innings next year. Curious to see, again, where he starts the season off and what happens with Kyder Montero. In just a minute, five or six lower-level prospects we're really excited about, and I can't wait to tell you about them. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. And if a regular season's wrapping up, we're heading towards uh, the very end of the playoffs, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So go pick a random NFL postseason game this weekend, make your bet, and then Uh, You can use your bonus bets to go place some bets on the Tigers. They are plus 3,500 to win the American League. They are at plus 300 to win the division. Second best odds behind the Twins. And then the over-under on this team, 79.5 wins. So, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make your first bet today with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the LockedOn Podcast Network. Final segment here on the Detroit Tigers farm preview for 2024 and uh, quite a few players that we're excited about. I'm going to try to get into this last. We've got about about seven or eight minutes here, but Ryan pitcher Ty Madden, first rounder in 2021 out of Texas and last year, 26 games all in double A. So he was in Erie the entire year. He was a Seawolf, three and four with a three, four, three ERA and 118 innings. 146 strikeouts, 11.1 per nine, 250 walks, 3.8 per nine, and then 16 home runs, so 1.2 home runs per nine innings. The thing for Ty Madden is he throws five pitches, like technically, fastball, slider, changeup, cutter, curveball. A lot of these guys have cutters, which I like. I'm a fan of that. But he really focuses on that one-two punch of the fastball and the slider. The fastball sits upper 90s. He can touch 99 with it. He's got a slider in like the mid to upper 80s. Very much a power profile. And he just dominates with those two pitches. I like that he has a couple other options. Obviously, the next step in development is to sharpen some of those up a little bit and then use them more often. But 
He just dominates every level he goes to. I'm excited to see. I'm assuming he's going to open in Toledo this year. And at what point are you comfortable calling him up and using him at the major league level? Shortstop Kevin McGonigal, first round pick. I think he was one of the compensatory, like the end of the first round, but got 21 games between rookie ball and A ball. Here's another one of these possible second base options, right? So he batted 315, 452, 411. One homer and five extra base hits. 18 walks to 10 strikeouts and 8 of 13 on stolen bases. Zone contact, 88%. It's a small sample size, I know, but for a prep hitter in his first taste of professional baseball, that was really good. Chase wasn't too low, or chase wasn't too high. It was a low chase rate. The questions here for Kevin McGonigal is one, what is the power ceiling? You have those questions a lot with a lot of youth players. He's got a lot of physical development in front of him. Where does the power ceiling end up? And then, with that physical development, is he able to stay at shortstop? Uh, there was a lot of talk about he was expected to be a future second baseman versus a shortstop. He played 14 games at short, six at second, and one as a DH in his first sample. So they cross-trained him right away at both positions. But if he can stay at short, and the question there would be the range. If he can stay at short, it gives this organization some more versatility and some more flexibility because there's other guys behind, who are also in this system who are also second basemen. Jace Young, one of those guys, 22 first rounder out of Texas Tech. His older brother is Josh Young of the Texas Rangers. And Jace is actually moving to third base to try to be separate from where Colt Keith is. So 128 games last year between high A and double A. Batted 265, 376, 502. 28 homers, 57 extra base hits, 79 walks to 139 strikeouts, and 5 of 16 on stolen bases. When he went to the Arizona Fall League, he played nothing but third base there. And there were some questions about the range, questions about the overall ceiling of the arm, but it's something where they moved him because they think he can handle it better than Keith could, better than some of these other guys like a McGonagall, like a Max Anderson, who we're going to talk about. The thing here, it's a funky swing. He doesn't look the same as his brother. They're completely different, but it's good enough, I think. He had a zone contact rate of just under 80%. Uh, good power, I still have questions about where the overall uh, contact ability is going to come in at, right? Because it is a funky swing, and it did feel like when you watch him at times, he can't always catch up to certain pitches in the zone. Do you change the swing? Do you just try to trim it down? What happens with the swing? But either way, Jace Young's a guy probably going to go back to Erie to start 24, but is probably on a fast track to Toledo and another option at the major league level for second or third, and just more questions about who's going to play where when you get to the major league level. Max Anderson, 2023 second rounder out of Nebraska, played a lot of third base, I believe, in, in college, but they played him at second base because of the range on the arm. 32 games in A-ball after being drafted. 289, 345, 445. Two home runs, 15 extra base hits. 12 walks to 26 strikeouts, two stolen bases. The college numbers under the hood are really good. 81% overall contact, 90% zone contact. And the power, average of 94, uh, 90th percentile exit below of 107 miles an hour, although with the caveat, that is metal. Don't have the detailed stats from what he did in A-ball. 
For some reason, not in the spreadsheet. I've got to get that figured out. Really curious here. Can he make it work at third? Does he have to stay at second because of the range on the arm? And it looks like they're going to use him at second. Yet another guy who you're looking at in the system who's going to ask for playtime at second base. Curious what happens with Max Anderson going into 24. Does he start in West Michigan, high A West Michigan with the Whitecaps? Does he go back to Lakeland? Because you would think Kevin McGonigal will be at Lakeland. Curious how they work that out. A right-hand pitcher, Troy Melton, really interesting arm, San Diego State fourth rounder in 2022. 23 games between single A and high A, mostly in high A. ERA under three, strikeout rate of 9.2 per nine innings, walk rate under 2.5. Another dude that just pounds the zone. Greater than 65% walks, under a 6% walk rate. And he had one or less walk in 17 of his 23 appearances. So fastball sits in the mid 90s. Induced vertical break isn't anything special, but it's a good fastball. Uh, Throws a two-seamer along with it. Throws a cutter, throws a slider, throws a curveball, throws a change. Has a ton of stuff. He can throw them all for strikes. And so because of that, a lot of options, a lot of strikes. It's a high floor for a starting pitcher. So I want to see Troy Melton in double A with Erie to see what he can do this upcoming season. Our dart throw here, left-hand pitcher Brant Herter out of Georgia Tech, 2021 seventh rounder. Massive guy, 6'6", right? 26 starts in double A last year. 6-7 with a 3-2-8 ERA in 118 innings. 133 strikeouts, so 10.1 per nine to 33 walks, so 2.5 per nine innings, and 7 home runs, 0.5. The thing here for Brant Herter, sinkers in the low 90s, sliders in the low 80s, has a cutter and a change, doesn't throw those enough. He's your quintessential sinker-slider lefty ground ball specialist. But it feels like he is the best possible version of a sinker-slider guy. He keeps the ball down. He gets like over 50% ground balls, does a really good job. And so because of that, the floor is very high for Brant Herter. And I feel like if you can get a little bit more velocity out of this profile, he looks to be more than a number four, number five, right? Uh, Really a fan of Brant Herter. Again, the control's really good. The ability to keep the ball down is very impressive because I've seen too many sinker ballers when they get fatigued, that ball comes up and gets crushed. Not Brant Herter. Really excited to watch him. Want to see what he does this year. Assuming he's going to start off in AAA Toledo. Fantastic week this week. One more of these coming up. Reminder, if there's somebody you wanted to hear about in this system that we didn't get to, let me know. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. We've got a bunch of other ways to reach us. It's in the episode description, in the show notes, uh, Discord, email, all of that stuff. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.